Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Great to have you along for another round of conversations talking about issues impacting rural America and agriculture. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Coming up on today's program in segment two, we're going to connect with uh, the CEO of NASDA, the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, Ted McKinney. They have laid out their policy priorities for 2024. So we're going to talk to Ted coming up here in just a little bit. That should be a great conversation. In segment three, we're going to dive into what is happening on Capitol Hill. Of course, uh, we continue to watch the appropriations battles and what is happening in terms of trying to get a new farm bill done and more. Randy Russell with the Russell Group will be joining us coming up after the bottom of the hour today. And then in segment four, we are going to get another preview of Commodity Classic coming up here next month in Houston, Texas. One of the co-chairs of this year's show, Brandon Honeycutt, will be joining us coming up here uh, in segment four today. So all that more on the way here on today's AOA. Well, I know uh, we're trying to connect uh, with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net for some market conversation here on the show uh, right now in segment one. We're working to uh, get that connection with him. So while we work to do that, let's take a look at a few of the news headlines that are out there in agriculture here today. And the American Farm Bureau Federation, they concluded their 2024 annual convention. They've set some policy direction for the organization here in the year ahead. They say passing a farm bill this year is the top priority for Farm Bureau members, followed by labor and artificial intelligence data privacy. Delegates voted to create new policy to address the growth of artificial intelligence in agriculture, which has the potential to enhance farming practices and conserve resources, but AFBF says privacy rights must be respected. Delegates also voted to stabilize wage rates for guest workers and revise H-2A and H-2B programs. They reaffirmed their support for increasing reference prices in the farm bill and maintaining a strong crop insurance program, including expanding eligibility to ensure more commodities are covered. Additionally, Farm Bureau delegates agreed to say in the rural communications section of the policy book, quote, we support vehicle manufacturers continuing to include AM radio and vehicles and beyond policy changes. AFBF President Zippy Duvall and Vice President Scott Vanderwall were unanimously reelected for another two-year term. So again, those are the American Farm Bureau policy uh, priorities they set at their convention and um, really uh, watching, of course, that farm bill. That seems to be a top priority for many, many folks. All right, joining us now for a look at what is moving in the markets, Tyler Shaw with agmarket.net. And Tyler, good to have you back on the program with us. Hope all is well. Let's start with this grain trade. to me, it's been relatively quiet here this week. I know we're down a little bit on Thursday, but largely just feels like we're we're kind of drifted around to some degree here in the grains. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, it does feel like maybe we're starting to build a little bit of a base here. You know, put in some some pretty hefty lows last week, and and really all the markets. Some some levels uh, found some support. You know, that four thirty four, four thirty five. Uh, was a low in March corn and 440 kind of felt like a spot where, where there was some value buying going on and beans, you know, that $12 uh, against the March and the May, it, it felt like that held us pretty significant support. So seeing a, a decent little rally here over, over the last week, we are seeing a little bit of pressure today. Uh, the grain, you know, the export sales, especially on beans were, were not very good uh, at the low end of the expectations. So weighing a little bit on the market here today, but uh, I guess uh, maybe a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, it's been a pretty brutal, uh, really, last three months and, and beginning of the, the new year. So this is offering a little bit of reprieve. And then, you know, one of the things I've been trying to talk to customers about is uh, it, it's okay to be happy about this, but don't get uh, too excited, especially if you've got a lot of unpriced bushels. You know, you might be using some of these rallies to get some of that locked in. 
Yeah, that's a, a great point. Uh, I've heard some of the same. There's uh, there's some folks who still have a lot of unpriced grain out there. Uh, we've been hearing a lot this week about the Chinese stimulus and some of the impacts on their economy. Is that something you're watching closely in terms of uh, the impact on our markets here, Tyler? Yeah, I mean it. It is. I you know I I don't want to get the cart ahead of the horse. I you know. I'm not saying it's uh, not an issue or not something that could be beneficial to us, uh, but you know, I don't think it's any secret that the Chinese are doing their best to figure out how to do business with other countries rather than the United States. Um, and there's a whole host of reasons for that. Some of it's political, and and I don't know that we got time to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know how much uh, significance that's really going to be in the long term. I think you're seeing that play out in some of the other markets. You know, energy's up strong today. You're seeing some of the metals uh, trade fairly, uh, you know, some strength there. But uh, in the long run for, you know, soybeans, corn, wheat, I, I, I'm not I'm not going out there saying that this is going to be the big, you know, the, the catalyst that pushes us higher. How about over on the livestock trade, Tyler? Let's uh, touch on cattle and hogs. Um, another uh, day so far on Thursday, some green on the screen. And, you know, really uh, been looking okay here at cattle and hogs. Uh, do you think we're kind of maybe building similar to grains, maybe building a little bit of a base here potentially? What are you seeing over in the proteins? So, you know, on hogs, uh, one of the things that I'm looking at from a technical perspective is is uh, we've been in a downward trending channel really since uh, a year ago, February of uh, 23. Uh, been trading, uh, you know, and that channel line has worked awfully well for the highs and the lows. Uh, we're pushing awfully close to that high end of that channel. So from a technical objective, um, you know, maybe this hog deal is going to run out of steam. Uh, in here, uh, you know, at this uh, $82, $83 level in April and the $74, $75 level in February. So that's one thing I would, I'll, I will be paying attention to. If we can break through that, uh, you know, that would be very positive to hogs. And if it holds, uh, I would look for some downside pressure on the, the hog market. On the cattle market, you know, they've been a nice uh, uh, base building that's been occurring. You know, we, we came in and, and just had that free fall all fall. And, and into December and December 7th pretty much marked the, the bottoms and pretty much all of your feeder and fat cattle contracts. They've been finding value. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where markets are uh, re- reflections of humans and, and humans tend to overdo things one way or the other. It feels like we pushed the cattle market too high in the summer into the early fall and then pushed it too low. Uh, late fall and and early winter and now we're kind of probably getting somewhere back to where this market really needs to be we're you know that cattle deal we're going to remain tight you've got the cattle inventory report coming out next week that's going to give us a glimpse of you know whether or not we really rebuilt this cow herd at all over the last year and that'll set the stage for you know that that's really what uh, set the stage for that that historic rally we saw last year and i mm-hmm. think it's going to set the stage for what comes comes this this coming year well, with that, Tyler Shaw, agmarket.net. Always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on AOA today, Tyler, and we will talk to you again real soon. You bet. Take care, Jesse. All right. Coming up next, we are going to take a look at some of the policy priorities for the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. NASDA CEO Ted McKinney joins us next on AOA. Heading to NCBA's Cattle Convention on Friday, February 2nd. Stop by USMEF booth 1807 with me, Jesse Allen. We'll be broadcasting AOA Live with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stop by from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern to learn how these organizations work together to competitively position American product as the sustainable, high-quality, premier product of choice. And don't forget to join NCGA on Thursday at 2.30 for their Learning Lounge. We'll see you in Orlando. 
Are you heading to NCBA in Orlando? On Thursday, February 1st, stop by Christian Hansen booth 1067 for some exciting live radio. Celebrity host Jesse Allen will be broadcasting AOA Live from Christian Hansen booth 1067 from 10 to 11 a.m. Also on Friday at 1130 in the Learning Lounge, Jesse Allen will be hosting Christian Hansen's discussion on how daily feeding of probiotics can improve the digestibility and utilization of the forages cattle are consuming. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. A promise is potent, born of intention, fueled by commitment. It's seeing things through, always showing up. And we know a thing or two about promises here at Susan G. Komen. Over 40 years ago, we locked arms with you toward one vision, a world without breast cancer. By investing in life-saving research and standing up for patient rights, we are shifting the system so all people everywhere get the care they deserve. Because if you've just been diagnosed and don't know where to turn, we've got you. If you can't afford the treatment you need, we've got you. And if you are driven to raise money to honor the best friend you've just lost, we have a place for you here because of you. We're supporting those who need help today while tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cures. Ending breast cancer needs all of us. Visit Komen.org and be a part of the Susan G. Komen community today. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. And joining us now for a conversation, he is the CEO of NASDA. Ted McKinney is with us. And Ted, great to have you with us on Agriculture of America today. Hope you're doing well, sir. Jesse, I'm fine. Am I coming through okay? You are coming through just fine. You sound great. We appreciate you uh, making the time to join us on the show here today as, uh, you know, we're beginning a new year and looking at new policy priorities and things like that. And I know NASDA, uh, you guys just set your federal policy focus for the year ahead. And uh, I'd love to dive in and talk to you about that here today. And I think top of mind for a lot of folks is this farm bill. And can we get a new farm bill done, Ted? It will get done. The big, big, big question is when it will get done. Uh, People like you, me, and all your listeners and observers are hoping it's sooner than later. Uh, I still, I mean, I'm an optimistic guy. I, I, I'm a glass half full more often than a glass half empty. And I'm still hoping we can get this done by March or April, despite the opportunity to push this off in September. But every day we don't get the funding bills passed. We lose very, very precious floor time. And that's critical when it comes to Congress, both chambers. So let's keep hoping for March, April, but, um, if it comes September or later, uh, God help us all. And that's kind of the thing is that I've gathered, you know, obviously it, it's no secret we're into presidential silly season, as some folks like to call it, Ted. And that's, right. you know, anything I would agree, anything past, say, April, I feel like is just is going to be pretty much out the window. And And I'm a little... I'm a little concerned with just how slow things are moving. We still have this appropriations mess we're trying to get through and things like that. So I, I guess I'm I'm trying to be optimistic here, but I, I know a lot of folks are just extremely frustrated with everything going on right now, Ted. Well, that's that's right. Despite the um, uh, the floor time and all the issues that are causing an even greater crunch, 
at least on the positive side, I believe all four of the, the leaders of the House Ag and the leaders of the Senate Ag, they want to get this done. I have no doubt that they want to. And we know that many, many others want to. It's just this floor time and all the discretion or the uh, disagreements on so many other things that are pushing this in. Um, you know, on the farm bill, uh, there's lots to cover. My gosh, there's always, always what I what I, I like to call a friendly debate between the nutrition title, which most people don't know, but that's 85% of the farm bill. And after COVID, it shot up again. So they're ho hoping to hold on. Some would say grow it even more. I'm not sure I'd go in that direction. And then there's the ever-present changing needs of the farm landscape and the ranch landscape and the need that. For us, uh, uh, in our priorities, we certainly support all the farmers and you can't not start with insurance and the Title I commodities. I mean, that's clearly the bread and butter. That's how farm bills began. And we are supportive, but I'll tell you what, we are a proud second or third in line there because we let and want our commodity group friends that sort of own those commodities to be on point. So again, you know how our members are. They look through the lens of a farmer and rancher every day, very proudly so, though they promote and regulate it's still that farm and rancher that is our start, uh, our starting point. Uh, so we'll be supportive of the commodity title and insurance, whatever comes there. But we have some other priorities that we mm -hmm. think are also important. Research is one. My goodness, we're now dropping to seventh, eighth, ninth in the world in our dedication of funds to research. It's okay for there to be some lapse in that, but we're now into our second farm bill where we've been the bridesmaid. It's uh, sixth out of five. It's eleventh out of ten. And it's not so much our members in departments of ag and their laboratories and research. It's it's a lot of university, which has been the bread and butter of uh, the growth and dynamics of agriculture for, for more than a century. So that's one. We've got to get more uh, involved in trade, my goodness, mm -hmm. notwithstanding some wins that the current administration has um, has uh, developed in India and Vietnam. I know a lot of that table was set in the previous administration, but good for them for getting across the finish line. I'm very proud of them. But boy, most of us want to get what we've known as a free trade agreement, which means tariff reduction, greater market access. And that's uh, that's left in want uh, in many of these cases. So maybe there's some people help, some help there. Yeah. So uh, Farm Bill would be uh, number one on our list, for sure. Sure, sure. I, and let uh, some other things on that list, too, uh, Ted, to add to what you're talking about here is I was looking through things. Uh, labor reform. I know that is another hot-button issue for many folks in agriculture. It sounds like that's a policy priority for NASDA this year as well. It has been, and it will continue to. And I'll just say that we were ever, ever so close uh, when the omnibus bill passed in D November, December of 2022, we were getting, we were hoping for H2A, H2B reform. Our thrust is keep going on the seasonal worker program. There are some benefits to that. Uh, it's working, though, with frustration at times. We want the flexibility so that when we have those workers, they don't just have to go back when they're done picking apples or oranges. We can move them, say, if they wish into the dairy industry or the pork industry where we're needing year round seasonal uh, labor. I'm, I'm, uh, my members are at great distress, I would add, that a lot of the uh, incentives to help bring those H2A, H2B workers are laden with requirements that they be unionized. And that is, we are hearing from our members, has really stifled, stifled a lot of the recruitment effort. Uh, we wish that people could be left with the choice and not be forced into a unionization or access to the farm that allows for unionization. So that's uh, what we're hearing from a lot of our members is also causing some strife. Now, one thing that we're doing differently, and maybe it's revisiting the old, maybe it's calling it full circle, but we're doubling down on the known entities of 4-H and FFA on the universities. There's the Ag Future of America organization. Community colleges have not been tapped nearly enough by ag and we are doubling down with them. And of course, of course, the land grant universities where we have uh, uh, those folks that might grow into management someday. So we're revisiting the domestic scene and the homegrown as well as the recruit from outside efforts, uh, Jesse. 
Uh, Ted, a few other thoughts here as well uh, from NASDA just uh, before we run out of time in this segment. Uh, food safety, I saw that on the list of policy priorities, as well as pesticide regulation, things of that nature. Could you talk about some of those other priorities for us, too, here real quick? You bet. Well, EPA and at some level, USDA are deeply involved in the whole Endangered Species Act, and so are we. Most people don't remember or know that a lot of these regulations are manifested in the states. It's the state departments of ag that take laws written by Congress, rules that are clarified by the agencies. And uh, we have a view on that, and we're making sure that view is known. Uh, for sure, we want to protect our endangered species, and we pr- want to protect human health when it comes to pesticides. Sure. That's, off, that's, that's, that's a must. But gosh darn, there's a way to do that and not just take farmland out of production so we're uh, saving some critter uh, and then destroying the livelihood of a farmer. I mean, there's got to be a win-win there, and we're going to keep seeking that. And I think there's a way to do that. So endangered species is the big enchilada right now at EPA and with pesticides, and we've got to get that right. Food safety, we've been working that for a dozen years along with FDA. We are the ones that largely, not exclusively, but largely implement those uh, rules in the states. And we're really getting at pathogens on produce and pathogens that might be in feed. And the thing that we're working on, and finally, finally, we think FDA is fully aligned with us, is that we've got to educate that farmer and then regulate. Educate, then regulate. So we see the trend line is up in our relationship with FDA, and we're very grateful for that. And I think we're seeing the results of that. Ted, we have about a minute here. Final thoughts from you. Uh, A great conversation, great thoughts. Of course, we want to keep folks engaged and staying up to date on the issues. Uh, What would you tell folks here as we're beginning a, a new year and got a new year ahead in agriculture right now? Well, the last uh, and the fifth that we haven't covered is PFAS. This is, uh, I hate the words, but sometimes known as forever chemicals out there. And there are some of these in ag, but not predominant. I mean, it's in fire retardant foams and clothing that some people wear that they want to be water repellent. So it's, it's, it's not just an agriculture thing, but right now there's a lot of skittishness out there. I hate the phrase that's being given to this thing forever chemicals. I don't think is helping anything, but we've got to protect humans. We've got to protect our animals and our critters and our insects and so forth. But oh my, my, I'm worried that some NGOs that are more active see this as the opportunity to gut inputs that farmers need. Pesticides might be first. Mm-hmm. For the most part, there's no PFAS in pesticides, uh, or if there is, they can more easily be removed. It's other things like containers of pesticides, poly, poly tanks, and so forth. And I just hope that good reason and good science will prevail uh, so that we don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater and, uh, and just cause draconian regulation. So PFAS is new, and I think it's the first on anybody's list. Definitely, definitely. Well, Ted... Great conversation. Uh, We're out of time in this segment. We'll look forward to getting you back on AOA again real soon. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Appreciate it. Best to you, Jesse. Ted McKinney with NASDA. Find more at nasda.org. We'll be back with more here on AOA on the way right after the break. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this Market Update. The grains and oil seeds are mixed but mostly lower this morning, led lower by beans. 
Soy processing margins have slipped, with cash crush margins set to be from 125 to 185 per bushel currently. Argentine soy meal offers have slipped as well and now are showing a $14 per metric ton discount to those of the U.S. For much of the year, U.S. soy meal exports were able to benefit from the short soy crop in Argentina. And as the number one soy meal exporter, meal exports fell by 50% to just 3.4 million metric tons in the last quarter there. Weather in Brazil is remaining mostly beneficial, and Argentina is causing a bit of worry with the hotter and drier pattern as of late. Rain is going to be needed by early February to keep production prospects where they are. Funds are estimated to be short 70,000 bean contracts along with 47,000 bean oil, while also being close to even on soy meal. Soybean sales for the week ending on January 18th were 20.6 million bushels. As for 23-24, shipments last week of 41.1 million were above the 23.9 million needed to arrive at the 1.755 billion bushel mark. Total soy commitments are now at 1.394 billion bushels, and that is still down 18% from a year ago. In the EIA report out yesterday morning, ethanol production plunged by a greater than expected 22% to just 818,000 barrels per day last week. That's compared to 1.054 million barrels the previous week. Extreme cold and snow was the obvious reason for the sharp slide, but that appears to be a one-off anomaly. Also, shipping company Maersk reported explosions on two vessels hit by the Houthis in the Red Sea. Those ships needed to be escorted by the U.S. Navy, vowing to use the alternate route around Africa, which will increase freight costs and transit time. It was also reported that Ukraine has been able to ship 12 million metric tons of corn so far this year, even in the midst of all the turmoil. Crude oil prices are at their highest level since December 1st. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Everyone has a community to lean on. A neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. You've talked with your kids and shared clear expectations, but you're not with them every minute. Your community members, friends and relatives, teachers and coaches, faith leaders, and other important adults in your kids' lives can be your eyes, ears, and a supportive influence when you're not around, reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on AOA, we are continuing to watch what is happening on Capitol Hill and the issues surrounding uh, getting the government funded, appropriations, fights. we got a farm bill to figure out and much more. Here to join us for a conversation and uh, give us some details, the latest he is hearing Randy Russell with the Russell Group in Washington, D.C. And Randy, it's great to have you back on the program again. Hope you're doing well. I am, Jesse. Great to see you and great to be with your listeners. Well, let's start with just what we are hearing in terms of where things stand with this appropriations mess that we have on our hands. I can't think of anything better to describe it. I know we kicked the can down the road until March here and that's kind of become my favorite term as well here on the show is kicking the can down the road. Uh, what are you hearing as Congress is, is getting back at the swing of things here in the new year? Where do we stand in terms of getting appropriations passed and getting this government funded and, and moving forward? Well, Jesse, Washington is uh, not particularly good on a lot of things, but kicking the can down the road is one of the things that they specialize in. So as you said, uh, we avoided a shutdown uh, before the holidays, and we avoided a shutdown here in, in early January. But the day of reckoning is coming in early March. We have a March 1st date for four appropriation bills. It includes the agriculture appropriations bill. And then we have another eight appropriation bills, which includes the defense bill, very importantly, that is March 8th. So, it's not entirely clear at this point how they're going to move all these bills, but we are we believe that when it all 
said and done in early March, they will come up with a package to fund the government for the rest of the year, which is through September 30th. Now, remember, we're by, by March 1st, we're already five months into the fiscal year, and we're still talking about how to fund the government. So we think some way, shape, or form will avoid a shutdown, keep the government funded, and avoid this across-the-board cut that would occur uh, this spring without passing these individual appropriation bills. Now, I had uh, Senator John through to South Dakota on AOA on Wednesday morning, and he brought up the fact he's somewhat disappointed on the Senate side with how uh, Chuck Schumer is seemingly kind of lumping all of these together and trying to pass one giant bill instead of uh, potentially you know, doing individual appropriations bills and things like that. So I know there's some frustration, it sounds like, on Capitol Hill just procedurally that's kind of holding things up. Are you hearing some of that same type of chatter as well, Randy? Yes, Jesse. I, I think there is a more than growing frustration that one of the basic things that Congress can and should be doing every year is passing 12 individual appropriation bills, reporting them out of committee, bringing them up on the floor, allowing members to offer amendments and then vote on them. House, Senate, go to conference, and then pass individual conference reports. We haven't passed individual appropriation bills in years. And this is the way business is usual, so to speak, where we pass these massive 12 bill or multi-appropriation bill packages. And it's very frustrating, not just for John Thune, but for many other members. So, um, but that's just where we find ourselves. And I think that's exactly given the time. We're already in nearing the end of January, and we're talking about the first of March. So I, I don't see any way they're going to move individual appropriation bills uh, between now and then. Expect a, a big package that will contain them. Well, obviously, trying to figure out appropriations, that's the first piece of the puzzle here before we can move on other issues such as a farm bill, Randy. And, you know, we got the one-year extension of the 2018 legislation and a lot of ag groups calling on Congress saying, hey, we need to get this done. We need to get certain pieces of the farm bill updated, reference prices, things of that nature. Uh, I know a lot of concern about trying to figure out a farm bill and getting that passed here as well early in the year because we've entered into the presidential election cycle and that could throw a wrench in things, couldn't it? Very much so. And uh, look, this bill was supposed to have been done last year. And as you mentioned, we had to pass an extension before the end of the calendar year. And now the bill has been extended until September 30th. Um, I, I know that both chair and ranking members of the Ag Committee are trying to get a bill done. These issues about funding the government have been a major problem. And I don't expect any progress to be made in terms of moving a farm bill until we fund the government, which won't occur until I said, as I said earlier, until early March. So I suspect that the House will move first on a farm bill. And if I'm a, a betting man, uh, I would suspect sometime in April, they'll try to mark up in the House Agriculture Committee, uh, the farm bill, and then hopefully get it to the floor. Um, the Senate, very honestly, Jesse, still remains at uh, pretty far apart between Chairwoman Stabenow and Ranking Member Bozeman and their respective parties about how they're going to pay for some of these new initiatives, given there's no new money. And uh, Senator Stabenow, as you know, put out a letter here within the last week outlining her priorities, what she'd like to see done. And she also said she does not want nutrition cut, nor does she want any of the climate money for agriculture that was included in the Inflation Reduction Act cut. Um, with no new money, Jesse, it becomes very hard to fund things like increases in reference prices and increases in trade promotion programs, just to name two, when there's no new money and you've basically taken 82% of the budget off the table because that's what nutrition represents in terms of the overall farm bill. I'm glad you brought that up because I know I've seen those same things, and I know a lot of folks have been hearing that in rural America. I've also 
heard some of this talk uh, that Secretary Ag Secretary Vilsack has talked about possibly using some commodity credit corporation funds to try and find some sort of money to go with a farm bill potentially. And some folks have said that might be a magic bullet, but others have disagreed. Have you heard some of that talk as well to try and get this farm bill over the finish line potentially? Well, like you, Jesse, I, I have heard that. I have not heard the secretary directly say that. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave that up to uh, the secretary and his team as to whether or not they have the authority to do that. I, I'm not a lawyer. I tell mm-hmm. people, Jesse, I was such a bad economist, I had to become a lobbyist. Uh, <laughs> but having worked a lot with the Commodity Credit Corporation, through my days at USDA and on the Hill and then in the private sector, I think trying to do things like increase the reference prices that are set in the statute, uh, that may be uh, that may be difficult to do legally. Now, there have been some very creative things that they've done. For instance, they just you know announced a couple of months ago $1.2 billion for new trade promotion funds um, that would... Uh, help us in some of the key markets that we're looking at. And uh, I know uh, Chairwoman Stabenow and Ranking Member Bozeman had asked for that in a letter, and they they did that. But that had to be separate from our market access program and foreign market development program. So I've heard that. I haven't heard him say that directly. I personally question a little bit in my own mind whether I have the legal authority to actually increase reference prices using the CCC. I appreciate your your thoughts and, and your candor on that. I the whole situation I think that we're facing right now on Capitol Hill. I, I think a lot of folks are frustrated, not just on the farm and ranch and in rural America, but in urban America as well. I think I think a lot of folks just look at this entire situation, and there is a growing sentiment that you know, hey. Can we get something done? I, I feel like that's kind of where things are, are at and or heading right now, Randy. Would you agree or not? Traditionally, Jesse, the, using the farm bill as an example, that's been a bipartisan product. And, uh, I mean, you go through time. Yeah, we've had our moments where we've done some things on a, a very partisan basis. But traditionally, uh, we've had this uh, coalition between the nutrition and anti-hunger community and the farm community. We've figured these things out together and we've locked arms and lobbied members, both from urban areas, as well as suburban areas, as well as rural districts to support the bill because there's something in there for all those constituencies. I think this time around, there's a lot of complicating factors. One, we had this fight over the speakership and we don't need to review all that for your listeners, but that chewed up a bunch of time. Uh, We now have a new speaker. Then we've had all these fiscal issues about keeping the government funded, which is, uh, as you talked about earlier, kicked the can down the road, and that has delayed the farm bill. And now, as you pointed out, and very accurately, we're getting into what I call political silly season. And there's gonna come a point where, you know, you get to, you know, we've got the Republican convention in July, you got the Democratic convention in August. When they come back for a few short weeks in September, it'll be simply to pass a continuing resolution to keep the government open again until after the election. So we get pretty deep into the spring, Jesse, and if we haven't made much progress on the farm bill, uh, prospects are that we're looking at one uh, in 2025. Um, I don't like to be a pessimist, but the clock is not in our favor right now. No, the clock is definitely not in our favor. I couldn't agree more with you on that one. And uh, I echo your sentiment. It is uh, getting into presidential silly season as well. And so a lot in front of us, a lot we have to keep our eyes on. We do appreciate the conversation, Randy, and we'll look forward to having you back on AOA again with us real soon. Take care and we will talk to you again down the road. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Jesse. Look forward to it again. Randy Russell there with the Russell Group joining us on AOA. We'll be back with more here on Agriculture of America on the way right after this. Hey, wouldn't it be great?
great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest, Uh-oh. or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash. Fantastic. Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does, with early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the wasps. You have the power to take control of pre-diabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Loss of sight won't blind our vision. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Learn more at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Are you heading to NCBA in Orlando? On Thursday, February 1st, stop by Christian Hansen booth 1067 for some exciting live radio. Celebrity host Jesse Allen will be broadcasting AOA Live from Christian Hansen booth 1067 from 10 to 11 a.m. Also on Friday at 1130 in the Learning Lounge, Jesse Allen will be hosting Christian Hansen's discussion on how daily feeding of probiotics can improve the digestibility and utilization of the forages cattle are consuming. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Heading to NCBA's Cattle Convention on Friday, February 2nd. Stop by USMEF booth 1807 with me, Jesse Allen. We'll be broadcasting AOA Live with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stop by from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern to learn how these organizations work together to competitively position American product as the sustainable, high-quality, premier product of choice. And don't forget to join NCGA on Thursday at 2.30 for their Learning Lounge. We'll see you in Orlando. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. 
Keeping America's Farmers and Ranchers Informed, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Agriculture of America. Jesse Allen with you here as we continue on today's program. And we want to talk about Commodity Classic 2024 happening in Houston, Texas here. We're about a month away from the show. Really looking like an awesome lineup for this year. Here to tell us more about it and talk about the show he is one of the co-chairs for this year's Commodity Classic. Brandon Honeycutt from Nebraska is with us. Brandon, great to have you join us on AOA today. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad to be on here, Jesse. Well, let's take a dive into Commodity Classic this year. Again, coming up February 28th through March 2nd at the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston. And talk about just some of the excitement surrounding this year's show, Brandon, because I think I'm hearing from a lot of folks uh, throughout the industry that they are just thrilled with uh, what is planned for this year's show. Yeah, I think we have a really exciting show planned. Um, you know, it's our first time in Houston, Texas, and, and we're really looking forward to it. It, it. It's at the same time as the Houston Rodeo, so there's just a lot of great things going on. You know, just every typical year, you know, we've had a huge trade show, and this year we're going to be on two separate floors. It's our biggest trade show ever. There's always the new products coming out, the new releases, the great learning sessions. It's, it's a great time and really looking forward to this year's show. Well, uh, let's look through some of the um, the highlights and some of the things that are planned. And I, I know one of the uh, big aspects of Commodity Classic, as always, is the trade show. I feel like it's an opportunity for a lot of farmers and ranchers to kick the tires, so to speak, on things and uh, and look at all the latest and greatest and new equipment and technology and seed, agronomy, etc. Um, talk about your perspective of that trade show. That always seems to be one of the big highlights, Brandon. It is, and I think you hit on a lot of what goes on there. You know, we get to see the new equipment, what's the new releases when it comes to crop protection products or or seed traits, whatever the case might be, biologicals. And I've always enjoyed it. You know, when I get to go on the trade show floor, there's always something new that I don't know I'm looking for until I get to the trade show floor. And it's like, that's something that might be useful on my farm. Um, you know, just the latest and greatest and, and some new new technologies that are out there, plus some of our old standbys, you know, that have been around for 100-plus years that are always always there at our, our trade show that we are all familiar with as farmers. How about some of the educational opportunities? Uh, I know that there are a lot of great sessions, uh, conversations that are had during Commodity Classic that, uh, you know, I think you combine all of that with the trade show really creates a great experience. Uh, what are some of the things you're excited about with some of the educational sessions this year? You know, the educational sessions are always a highlight. You know, whether you want to go to the early riser sessions before everything starts during the day, get your learning center sessions, your what's news, your mini what's news, just kind of what is fits in your time frame. And you can learn about everything from seed to crop protection to irrigation to livestock. So it's, so, it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to get in there and ask the people questions, listen to what's going on, and take something away that you can bring back to the farm and, and your neighbors. I know uh, the general session on Friday, March 1st, uh, a pretty interesting keynote here with us being in Houston, close to, uh, you know, one of the NASA locations. Uh, we have a an astronaut that's going to be the keynote on Friday, March 1st. Is that right? That is correct. You know, uh, Mike Massimo, he's, he's an astronaut. Um, some, some people might be familiar with if they ever watched the Big Bang Theory. He was actually on that as well for... Uh, for a couple episodes and should be fascinating to see what his talk is about. And I think it's going to be really inspirational, not just hear about it from an astronaut's perspective, but how we can apply it to the farm as well. Brandon, another early riser session too, that I think is important for a lot of folks. This one's on Saturday, March 2nd, FBI and cyber threats to agriculture. And I, I think that is so important. We hear a lot about just cyber attacks and, and data security and things like that. And I'm sure you know, that's very well maybe a concern on your operation as well. I know it's a concern for a lot of folks. So sounds like that's going to be uh, a can't-miss early riser session. You know, that was one of those we just kind of stumbled into um, through some contact, and it looks like a very great session. One of those things that maybe we don't think about, you know, as grain farmers as much as maybe some of the some of our livestock friends and, and others within up the value chain. 
But I think it's important for farmers to be maybe take the time to go to that. The way it's going to be set up will be perfect. You know, it's not a three-hour long session. It's three one-hour sessions. So you can really dive into maybe what you need to do on your farm uh, to protect, protect your livelihood. Well, the theme this year, New Frontiers in Agriculture, and it's going to be a great time. Now, Brandon, uh, folks can still get registered, I know, and find much more information uh, online. Commodityclassic.com, I'm sure, is uh, the best place to go and uh, get more info, isn't it? Yep, that's that's where you need to go, commodityclassic.com. And, and if you want to spend some time, go ahead and download the app for Commodity Classic to get yourself prepared. Uh, for the trade show and, and the show in general, um, there'll be free Wi-Fi in the trade show floor, which is always uh, a godsend for those of us who spend way too much time on our phones. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with you there. Brandon, uh, before we run out of time, got about a minute here. What would you tell folks, you know, if they think, they're thinking about going to Commodity Classic, maybe they've never been your elevator pitch, so to speak. I mean, what would you say to them uh, to get them kind of over the hump and uh, have them committed to a go to Commodity Classic this year? You know, one of the great things about Commodity Classic is it's for all sizes of farms. You know, it's not just a big farm show. It's for every size of farm. You know, you get to meet new people. You get to talk to those in the booth that, that are the decision makers at those companies. So if you have a problem, there's probably somebody there that you can actually talk to that can help you alleviate whatever that problem is. Plus, you also get the opportunity to uh, meet meet some famous corn farmers, right? So, you know, the as a corn farmer, you know, you get Dave Hula's going to be there. You know, there's always a national corn contest yield winners. And you don't have to be an association member to go. You know, we, we talk a lot about that. But this is just for your any farmer that wants to come, come there, see the latest and greatest, learn some things, meet some new friends and have the time of your life and and have a great time you know with it being in houston texas and like you said earlier the houston rodeo going on too so there is something for everyone commodityclassic.com for more information and we look forward to the show coming up here in just about a month with that one of the co-chairs for this year's commodity classic brandon honeycutt from nebraska brandon thanks for joining us on agriculture of america today we appreciate the time thank you All right, we are out of time here on AOA. Thanks for listening in on the program here today. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great one. We'll talk with Arlen Suderman on our next episode of AOA. Are you heading to NCBA in Orlando? On Thursday, February 1st, stop by Christian Hansen booth 1067 for some exciting live radio. Celebrity host Jesse Allen will be broadcasting AOA Live from Christian Hansen booth 1067 from 10 to 11 a.m. Also on Friday at 1130 in the Learning Lounge, Jesse Allen will be hosting Christian Hansen's discussion on how daily feeding of probiotics can improve the digestibility and utilization of the forages cattle are consuming. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content, and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments. And ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at V.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. 